Welcome to Mortgage Insider. I'm Claire McPhail, a Business Development Manager at Barclays. In this series, we're speaking to a range of experts to explore success stories and new trends. We're sorry Tony's not been with us the last couple of weeks as he's been unwell, so do get well soon, Tony. In this episode, we spoke to Andrew Wishart, a senior economist and UK housing expert at Capital Economics. He gave us his view on what's been going on in the housing market for the last couple of years and what the future holds for the property market. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks. Great to be here. Well, look, let's start this off by going back a few years. Let's think about sort of the time before the pandemic hit. So sort of late, maybe 2019, early 2020. Can you sort of talk to me a little bit about what the shape of the UK housing market was in then? What, what was going on back then? So I think in 2019, there's actually signs that things were starting to pick up. We'd had a bit of a decline in mortgage rates. And we, we'd also had the general election in December that year. So I think at the end of 2019 and into 2020, we definitely saw um, transactions picking up, price growth starting to show signs of life after a really sort of quiet patch since 2016, really. But then obviously all that was brought to an abrupt halt when the pandemic hit. Yeah, of course, we had no signs of that to be at all. And so if we then sort of look at the impact of the last few years with the pandemic, so we had a lot going on, didn't we? So the the property market shut down for a period of time and then sort of when it reopened, it kind of went all a bit crazy in a different way. But But what did you see within that period of time? Did you see anything particularly from your point of view because, of course, we'd never come across anything like this before, didn't we? We had this pent-up demand, you know, within that period of the pandemic, not that we're through it completely, but, again, what were your thoughts of what was going on at that point? Yeah, I think we were definitely... I think everyone really was surprised by how things, how strongly the housing market reopened. I mean, I remember at first it, we, we were sort of talking about pent-up demand and, and really at that point it was you know, that was almost still surprising given that there was still so much uncertainty. Um, and also, you know, it, 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 we were still worried about the end of sort of policy support. Obviously, initially when the pandemic hit, the, the big worry was that we'd have, um, you know, the biggest drop in output in recorded economic history. And that would lead to huge unemployment, which is which potentially, you know, obviously mean, you know, mortgage arrears and repossessions and, 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 and big problems. That you know, the furlough scheme came in very quickly and and, and avoided that and really was, um, I think, an excellent policy. Uh, but then I remember the repeated concern for us was looking at the, the various deadlines of when, you know, there was sort of hankering from the Treasury to end that support. Um, and, and our worry was that at that point, you'd see a big jump in unemployment, which would just so just delay the impact um, as opposed to getting rid of it altogether. But increasingly, it became clear that, you know, the support was going to be there um, long enough. And also, you know, I think the end of the furlough scheme was was much more benign than anyone expected at all. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose then looking at the housing market today, so, you know, we're already as crazy as it seems almost at the middle of 2022 you know there are a lot of different things that play again so at the moment what do you see as the most significant things that are affecting the UK market sort of now as we stand? So I think this year is sort of a year of I think it will prove a year of transition we've still got you know despite the end of the stamp duty holiday last year we've still got very strong transactions volumes and we've still got um, you know very strong price growth 
And I think we always point to three key reasons uh, why the housing market was particularly strong across the pandemic period. Um, the first one is, you know, lower mortgage rates, particularly more recently, because I think initially, you know, uh, first time buyers and were less able to really access mortgage finance, but that's become easier again more recently. And a, and a further drop in mortgage rates as people have become sort of more confident in the outlook for the housing market. Um, and then at the same time, you've got uh, that, that's that obviously that pandemic effect in terms of um, people really reassessing their their, li- their living uh, setup in in Ongoing, light of working, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Is, yeah, is is here to stay. And then and then the other big one is, you know, people stop spending money uh, during during lockdowns, but because of the policy support that's put in place, their incomes were were, were relatively unaffected especially for those in the sort of um, top half of the income distribution, people who typically uh, participate in, in the housing market, buy houses. Uh, and I think you put those three together and I think those explain quite nicely why um, house prices surged. They have done in lots of developed countries. And, you know, even though stamp duty holiday ended, that's, uh, we obviously continue to see a very strong market in the first part of the, of the year. Just interestingly on that, well, do, you, do you see it? I mean, you may not know this information, but has it been the same right across the country, do you think? Just bearing in mind, you know, our brokers are, are spanning all of the country. Do you feel like it's been, had the same impact across all of the country? So I think um, there's a big exception for in, in London has been a, quite a different market. So obviously we've seen very strong demand um, across the country but a little bit less uh, significantly less so in London um, which is interesting because we've also seen the highest number of the sort of biggest jump in transactions in London so I think that's what I was thinking with that stamp duty break Mm. it was taken advantage of a lot wasn't it in London yeah Yeah. it was but I think it really um, you know we I think we'll probably come on to the sort of the the imbalance of demand and supply in the rest of the country but in London it's been a bit different we've actually had more sort of sales compared to before the pandemic but much less price growth and I think that just shows that sort of pandemic effect as people look to um to look to move further afield find more value for money in terms of a bigger house which they're they're able to do because of because of commuting yeah yeah, which I suppose does link on to the impact because we hear about it all the time, don't we, about the fact that the reason why prices keep growing is because of the number of properties that are available. But from your point of view, you know, is that what's affecting the supply and demand? You know, is it is there some other truth that, that the likes of myself just aren't aware of? Yeah, I think the idea that there's um, no stock coming onto the market is a bit of a perception thing. Uh, you know what, what I think instead we're really seeing is a very fast-moving market. Uh, we've seen indicators of how long it takes to sell a house have, have shown that you know that the time it takes to, to find a buyer is almost halved compared to before the pandemic. Um, so I think you know what stock that does come onto the market is getting snapped up very quickly um, by exceedingly strong demand. Um, oh, no, and it's so true because it, it just seems, as you say, that everybody's selling, and, and it does seem that there isn't a lot on the market. That, but it, as you rightly say, it is potentially a perception. So we spoke about London a little bit when, when we were saying earlier in the interview just about the mismatch. How have you seen it sort of play out regionally for, for the rest of the country? We know that people have got, you know, they're, the way that they're looking to live with the hybrid working that people can do now and the fact that people potentially do want a little bit more of outdoor space. So how, how have you seen that playing out across, yeah, across the country, really? Certainly, we've definitely seen people moving probably from London and from places they can commute to London easily out further away where, 
um, you know, house prices are a better value uh, once you sort of take away that need to live near the office. So um, a lot of the, the the regions where house prices are lower relative to incomes have been the strongest performers. Um, and a lot of people uh, ask me whether, you know, that that's that's going to change. I mean, um, at the weekend I was, I was uh, with one of my friends, he's a school teacher in North Devon, and he was saying, you know, he's seen his house his house price has gone up by over 35% since the start of the pandemic. And he's saying, you know, as the pandemic comes to an end, you know, is that going to reverse? And I think, I think the answer is no. I mean, you know, we've, we've perm, like, sort of um, remote working looks like it's here to stay. And, um, and those, those, those regions are, are still, even though they've outperformed recently, ultimately uh, London is the place where house prices still look most expensive compared to incomes. Um, so I think that will that will remain as as a change that that's proves permanent. I I would certainly agree with your your friend. I think the prices, like you say, will hold out where they are. So, oh, thanks ever so much for that one. So, if we were looking at the housing market historically, is this reflected any time in the past? Is this an unusual situation, or is this just something that maybe people that have been around you know a lot longer would think? Well, I remember that back at a previous time or or is this quite unheard of the situation that we're in at the moment um i think it certainly there's there's extra special factors at the moment in terms of uh, where people are how people are reassessing where they live and the sort of surge in the amount of people 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 can put towards their deposit because of that jump in household savings um but i think at the same time if you look at sort of where mortgage rates are right now there's uh, you know, this is almost a little bit of catch up from uh, a market that perhaps didn't fully um, adjust for sort of the lower level of mortgage rates after 2016. It was just a kind of bit of a quiet patch. So I think right now um, it's it's kind of justifiable. But I think the big issue is that, you know, looking ahead, I think the economic outlook is is probably much less favourable. And I think really going into sort of the second half of this year, we've, now we've got mortgage rates starting to rise quite quickly and and you know um the general uh, economic outlook in terms of the cost of living crisis really starting to affect people i think you know this looking towards the second half of the year i think things will definitely slow down quite markedly so tell us a little bit about what the future holds how do we see everything panning out over the next couple of years in regards to the housing market yeah, I think it's quite an unprecedented sort of economic situation at the moment, really, that we haven't seen for about 30 years. I mean, inflation is already at, you know, pretty much a, a 25, 30 year high and, and still rising. And at the same time, um, uh, the, the the thing is that the, the labour market is very tight in terms of um, there's really strong demand for workers and unemployment very low. So I think um, the Bank of England is definitely concerned that uh, you know that that kind of high inflation will end up pushing up wages, and, and that will get into sort of a, a people increasing how much they need to be paid in order to afford what's happening in the shops, and then that means that inflation stays high. So I think we're definitely going to see a further increase in in bank rate over the rest of this year. That's there's and the first signs of that pushing up mortgage rates are now starting to starting to come through a bit more solidly, um, and and that's. Yeah, there are definitely signs now that that's starting to weigh on demand a bit in terms of you know web searches for for property websites have just dropped back to their sort of lowest level since since May twenty twenty, um, and you know uh, other surveys point to price growth sort of slowing from about three four percent a quarter recently to sort of zero percent a quarter 
um, by by the second half of the year. So I think we're sort of really at a turning point now. And what sort of impact would that have for for people if if it does slow down just slightly? I think certainly it's going to rebalance the market in terms of um, obviously sellers have been in a very strong position for the past couple of years, and I think increasingly mainly because these these factors are are reducing demand for people to buy to buy homes. You know, the cost of a new mortgage is is going up. Uh, people are worried about their other finances. I think that's going to mean that buyers probably have a, a lot more choice. Um, but I think also, you know, it, it's it would be, I think it would be a, a bad thing if house prices continue to rise at the rate they have been. I mean, we've we've seen if you compare house prices to average pay, the sign of the ratio between the two has just exceeded its its high, its highest peak ever, which was just before the financial crisis. Um, and a you know, I think what we'll hopefully see over the next few years is, is you know, maybe house prices hold fairly, fairly steady, um, and and but wage growth is is, is relatively strong, uh, which means that you kind of, you know, without um, a, a, a downturn, a big downturn in the housing market, you can still have some kind of improvement in that sort of ratio that brings house prices to a sort of more sustainable level and that. That, that more people can afford as well. In regards to the cost of house prices, have you got any data that you look at that would give us any indication of what we would expect over the next few years? Yeah, so I think, uh, yeah, in terms of um, our sort of mortgage rate forecasts, we expect them to rise from about 2% now to uh, 3.5% by uh, 2024. And, you know, that's a that's a quite a sharp rise. And typically that 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 um, correlates quite strongly with slowdowns in house price growth. So um, we're actually forecasting that that house prices will drop back slightly over the next couple of years um, by three percent uh, next year and about one and a half percent the year after. Um, but of course, that comes on the back of a of an over twenty percent gain over the past few years. So we're really looking at reversing about um, a fifth of the increase we, we we've seen over the past couple of years, um, and the reason why you know that the reason why we're not more pessimistic is that ultimately the the jobs market is extremely strong, and we think will prevent um, you know prevent prevent people being forced to sell their home, uh, and which will sort of mean that rather than seeing a big drop in prices, we'll probably see quite a significant drop back in, in supply and transactions too. So after the sort of bonanza of, of last year, we'll probably see transactions drop back from sort of 1.4 million a year to, to perhaps 1 million uh, in, in 2023 and 2024, which is actually slightly below the sort of um, pre-pandemic norm. Thanks, Andrew. And and I tell you what, it'd be quite interesting to, to think a little bit or just to understand a little bit more about the new build sector and and again, how you feel that that is going to be influenced over the next, again, year or so, because, of course, a lot of focus is on that element of it. So where do you see that going as well? Yeah, so what we tend to find is that um, house builders finish homes and, and, and sell them at the sort of a rate that's consistent with the number of transactions in general in the market. So, you know, if you've got a very buoyant market, we tend to see a lot more new builds being completed. But actually, that wasn't really the case in the, in the pandemic, which I suppose um, added to that imbalance of supply and demand because uh, obviously builders are increasingly concerned about the end of the, the help to buy scheme. So they were actually really um, sort of drawing down how many homes they had in the pipeline in sort of 2019. And then 2020, they had to stop building completely. 
uh, in Q2. And then all of a sudden demand surging and they've really they haven't really been able to sort of take house building up to the levels they would normally under that level of sort of housing market activity. Uh, and adding to that, they've also struggled with supply bottlenecks in terms of um, importing, importing things and also even uh, domestically produced things like bricks that haven't been enough of um, at, at times. So, um, yeah, I think house building has probably been held back but, uh, by, by all those factors. But at the same time, I think looking ahead now, obviously, with the market slowing, I don't think we'll ever really make up for that lost time. I think it's um, probably looking ahead uh you know, that new build construction will probably start to ease off as it becomes sort of clear that the housing market is, is slowing down. As you say, if it does slow down, we know that we need more new homes. Do you see that that being issued? Do you see that we're going to have a deficit there? We know that we need to keep building, don't we? Yeah, to be honest with you, I think that, um, you know, obviously we have these targets of 300,000 a year that's, that's, that's never been met. And I think since we sort of stopped building um, public sector homes en masse, it's been very much dictated by uh, the overall market, how many homes are being built. It's, it's driven by how many homes builders feel they can sell profitably. So without, without that public sector involvement, I think we're probably unlikely to see a pickup to the, the levels that might be seen as ideal from a sort of um, social perspective. Lots to be aware of, isn't there, Andrew? And lots to, to keep an eye on. And so for our mortgage brokers, really, um, for them, I suppose it's linking all of this information back and just thinking about their current clients that they look after and, and just looking after them into the future, isn't it? Thinking about them being able to rewrite business for them and, and just being very aware of what's going on. And so I appreciate everything that you've said today, Andrew. I think we'll find it really helpful. Great. Thanks very much. That was Andrew Wishart, a senior economist and UK housing expert at Capital Economics. The views expressed by external guests in this podcast are their opinions only and do not necessarily reflect the views of Barclays. Please rate, review and subscribe or follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Claire McPhail. Thanks for listening.